If you're like me, there are certain songs when you hear them, you just play them on repeat because they grab you in a certain way. So what I found is in country music, a lot of those same songs are written by the same man. His name is Casey Beathard. He wrote Kenny Chesney's Boys of Fall, which is one of my favorite songs of all time about the heart and soul of high school football. So Casey is one of the greatest songwriters in country music. He also grew up in a Hall of Fame football family. Today's episode focuses on his extraordinary and heartbreaking story. He joins me along with his two sons, CJ, former 49ers quarterback, newly signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and Tucker, a hit songwriter himself. Casey's dad, Bobby Beathard, was the Hall of Fame architect for the undefeated 72 Dolphins and Joe Gibbs championship teams in Washington, D.C. So he literally grew up in locker rooms surrounded by NFL legends. Like their dad, Casey's brother, all went into football, but Casey did not. Instead, he packed up his guitar and his dreams and went to Nashville to become a songwriter, and that is exactly what he did. But just over a year ago, tragedy struck as his youngest son, Clayton, home from college on Christmas break, was murdered trying to break up a fight while defending a friend. Through the heartbreak, this family leaned on each other and their faith like never before. This is that story. I grew up in the Miami Dolphin locker rooms. During camp, we just, we were running around the field. We were playing hide-and-go-seek in and, and Coach Shula's office. And shoot, I was six years old, and Don Shula was comfortable with me just calling him Don. And, and I used to go around <laughs> as a kid, just go, oh, hey, Don, you know, and all this, and his kids. And we all grew up together, and those were just a lot of great years. And the Dolphin years, I mean, with the undefeated season and the back-to-back Super Bowls and going to them, and then then ended up in the Redskins era a lot of super bowls and it was just it was life i came up going just watching my brothers athletic brothers and uh, my dad in football and my kid and my brothers and uh in sports and everything revolved around sports and i was too and i no but there was no other there really was no other option mm-hmm. only thing i knew was that i was maybe the black sheep that gravitated my mom was good on the piano and her side of the family, everything revolved. He'd go around and there was always Christmas carols and always playing and singing. But I was that guy. Um, yes, that that's always blown my mind. Like looking at, at, at your brothers, my uncles, Kurt and Jeff or whatever, and, and grandpa and y'all's whole family. Like there's not one lick of like any bit of music, music gene at all. Doesn't I mean, it's like so it. far from it. I've always wondered like, where, how did that, like, I, like for us, it's like, well, yeah, CJ, played guitar clay was played guitar like so it's like oh yeah there's so it's a almost the reverse for you guys which is interesting it's like you're all musical but then football mm-hmm. uh, although you are, are all athletic but but they didn't know what to do with it i mean you know i didn't even yeah so i was just like man i yeah i love this i wanted to be i remember being a little kid and just i wanted to be michael jackson you know mm-hmm. I, that's what i want i liked all kinds of music and then then i started my ears started just gravitating to whatever like my mom listened to, and then my dad listened to, and then my dad had a really, really good taste in music. I mean, it was Stevie Wonder and Marvin Gaye, but it was also uh, John Prine and Merle Haggard and all these, just a lot of really good music, but all kinds. And so I so I learned to sing and do that as a kid and imitate mm-hmm. those people. And then when I got in high school and um, I was just playing sports so much, and I thought, well, that's just a Still loved it, but I didn't think there was anything you could do with it because I just don't, I didn't even, I lived up in Northern Virginia and I was like, 
No one does that. Mm-hmm. You don't go, how do you become a, a singer or whatever? You just don't do that. So I guess I'll just try to get a scholarship and play football. And then you do with, do go as far as you can go with what the, what you're gifted, you know, as a, as a small kid, that's not, I wasn't overly good at, you know, any, I got to play in college, but eventually it got to, uh, I'm going to go to Nashville. And dad was like, for what? I was like, I, that's where I'm supposed to go. I think that's where I'm supposed to go. Cause I, after college I was playing and, you know, just singing in bars and playing and doing stuff like that. And someone in a crowd one day after I'd won a contest in a bar in Northern Virginia and Alexandria, someone goes, man, that's, you're pretty good. You ought to, you ought to get out of here. You ought to go do something. You keep coming in here and playing and singing and you don't, you just, what are you going to do here? And it's just some guy. Mm-hmm. I was like, huh, what, what would I do? What do you mean? And he was like, Nashville is where, you know, a lot of songwriters and singers go, and I go really. They, you know, and that and I was like, huh. And that that never, I, I couldn't get that out of my head. And my lease on this place out in Centerville, that's where off I, of Bull Run Post Office is. Road, yep. out there near the the park out there. Yep. I used to live there, and uh, just outside of Centerville near Bull Run there. I just well, it was up in six months, and I was like, all right, I'm out of here then. I loaded my car up, never been there, and just drove down. And my dad was like, "So, how can I? What are you gonna do?" And I said, "Dad, don't worry about me." You know, like, and I was that hard for you to to tell him that, or no, no, no. He's he's a, he's that guy. He was just so supportive. Mm-hmm. Anything you wanted, he didn't get it. It's so far out of his work. Like that's what I was saying with the music. It's like there's not one lick of like music gene or whatever. Maybe your mom, yeah. but like I never met yeah. her. But like I can picture Grandpa being like, "What." Yeah, like, what? What do you mean? Music? He just thought that. I think he just thought that. Well, okay, he's going to get that out of the system. It's probably going <laughs> to fall through, and then, I, you know, because he loves us so much that he was always worried about how can I just don't even I don't know how to help you there, and I think that's mm-hmm. what he was always thinking. You know, interesting. Mm-hmm. So he's like, okay, but I don't know what I can do for you there, and I'm like, Dad, you don't have to do anything. But I, I that's out of my it's out of my league. I don't even get it. So then like, dad, don't worry about it. And I, and, and honestly, probably the, you know, it's just got a couple minimum wage jobs to get through to, to support my habit of playing music at night. First job was at Bluebird, wasn't it? The Bluebird. Yeah, I was working the Bluebird at night. Uh, and, and little did I know that it was, that was the sought after songwriters place to play where the best would yeah. come in and play at night. And I was working in the kitchen and my bar back and I, and I got to hear the best coming there. And I, they just, I'd be working and hear these songs. And I was like, good night. That's what I want to do. That's who I want to be. All the best guys. And you could just hear how well a song got crafted in there and just got us more excited. And then one night something fell through. And uh, I was back there making guacamole. And uh, somebody was like, Dude, this guy can't show up. Aren't you a songwriter too? And I was like, Yeah. And I was, Will you get? We got a crowd out there. Will you go play some songs? I go, Man, me, my song, my song. Are Wait, are you serious? I, I didn't I'm know. Totally, it's totally totally like a movie scene or something. Yeah, that, that, that really is. Cool. <laughs> this guy making guacamole in the back. We need a guy to go put, be on stage. Like, I promise you, that's what happened. I had my towel hanging off my pants with junk all over that you clean mm-hmm. counters with, and I and I had a guitar in the truck. Went, got it, put it up there, and I was like, "Man, I'm, 
I'm nobody, but I, but I have enough songs to play for to kill this time. I had like a, a half hour to kill, and I played four or five songs, and um, man, it went over. And uh, these guys, and there was happened to be a couple songwriters with record deal. I mean, with publishing deals there that were like, man, you're good, man. We ought to. Can you? Will you? I like how you sing too. You want to? Can you sing some demos for me? And uh, and I started singing demos that after that night, I was singing demos for other songwriters, you know, that they they, they could pitch to artists. And uh, that got me in the door to you know to listen to publishers to who's this guy singing, and then they started listening to my songs, and um, that was the night that changed started changing everything, and I started writing, singing for the really well known songwriters, Don Schlitz and. And people like that, and um, I, I met uh, John Prine's manager, and then I was at John Prine's house one night after working, and just and I got to really meet the guy that I grew up listening to through my through my dad, and I'm like, God, and that was my. I remember I got to one of the biggest things that made my dad probably the most thought he thought I'd made it was when I left after going after the Bluebird, and this the, John's manager, a guy named Al Bonetta, liked what I was doing that he had seen me. So he liked some stuff. And then one night he was at the bar and he said, after I got done working, he goes, man, I want you to come with me. And we ended up at John Prine's house in his kitchen and he was playing songs and we were just hanging out. And I told my dad that I got to go to John Prine's house. He was like, that's when he thought, Oh my gosh, you're really in that. You're it's really working for you. Yeah. Oh my God, you met John Prine and I, and that's that changed. I think that changed his perspective on anything I was doing. So it was awesome. Yeah. How do you do what you do? How do you find the hook or, or whatever? I think it is? it's just life. Just what I think nothing made you know, it's just watching life. I observe life. We all, I mean, Tuck's a deep thinker. We all are. And I, I think that's just the. I, it never, it just never turns off. And I think once I started a family, I get around in real life and real worlds and at baseball parks and in classrooms and in and, and work settings and watching and hanging around real people, mm-hmm. uh, just watching things happen. And that's what I think I do best is write, try to recreate life in a song. CJ, what did you think of The Boys of Fall? Oh, I thought it was uh, this one of my favorite songs. I mean, I loved it. Uh, it's actually funny the story, the story, how the video got made and everything. So mm-hmm. I, I didn't start my freshman year, and then most of my sophomore, or half of my sophomore year, I was, I, I didn't start, and it, this was totally random. Uh, I got announced a starter uh, for BGA in Franklin, and then it just so happened they had planned this date, Kenny Chesney and them to, to film. They were going to come out film BGA versus. NBA for the and then, video, yeah, right? for the video, and do a bunch of other uh, high schools, you know, his high school and all that stuff. And it just they had that plan for a while, and it just so happened that they just named me the starter. So I, that was my first ever start in high school, and they came in and um, came out to practice that week, videoed practice, and and then videoed the game. And you might not know the history around here, but BJ has no business beating NBA. NBA is you know one of the best high schools in the area, and, and we went out there and, and actually beat them pretty good. It was like twenty six to. How does that happen, right? It was just so. That's the movie script. Yeah, like it, yeah, it was so kid. cool, and it was. Um, it was NBA's homecoming. Mm-hmm. You know, you schedule. A, <laughs> oh, no. You schedule a team yeah. that you that you know you can beat on your home. Right, team. exactly. Mm-hmm. Kenny had called and goes, "Hey, man, uh, 
we're going to start doing, I got this big thing, you know, I don't even want to tell you about it, but we're going to, we're going to start filming for this song and I got a plan. You know, and blah, Kenny blah, blah. Chesney was doing that also because that was going to be debuted on ESPN. Right. Mm-hmm. Correct? Right. Yeah. So he said, uh, can you get us into, can you, can maybe we'll go to your kids practice or these, can you get us, can you turn us on to places where we can go? And I was like, yeah, you can go over here. And I, I had no idea he was going to be playing, you know? And I was like, yeah, it'd be cool. Yeah, I can get you over in their practice and all their stuff. And then we found out you were going to start that week. And I was like, wow, they're going to be filming that game. That won't be a – that's going to be ugly. You won't be able to use that footage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you won't be able to use that footage. <laughs> I remember going, man, that's uh, – this uh, – maybe you should, uh, like calling up Kenny going, maybe you shouldn't go film that game. It's not going to be pretty. Yeah, honestly, I was thinking that. And, wow, it was like – it was written for a movie. It was awesome. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, we ended up going in there and, and smacking them pretty good. That's my favorite thing I've been a part of in Nashville was that because that documentary is never going to go anywhere. It's always have that, and I'm going to have a sixteen-year-old uh, CJ, you know, and his group of you know the a bowl haircut and jumping mm-hmm. up and down after that game winning, and you're just like, gosh, that's so yeah, awesome. Yeah, when they yeah. planned that video, I probably wouldn't even been in the video if I, you know, I wasn't playing yeah. or whatever. It would never happen. But like, I remember look, you watch that video now. I'm in it, you know, a few different times, you know, quickly here or there. But I remember when I got to college, that was like one of the coolest things. All my friends were like, dude, you're in the boys of fall. I was like. I get, yeah, this, you know, but like, like they would all, my job. people would like pause it and like send me pictures. And I'm like, yeah, like <laughs> some of my teammates that, that like didn't matter what kind of genre they listen to. They're man, that boy's a fall, man. I like that song. You know, yeah, they don't it was like more than music. a song. The way, yeah. the, what Kenny, Kenny and their, their creative team did with that was awesome to see how they captured like the heart and soul of like high school, just football. And the song alone is like, oh, hey, man, you couldn't so write a better song to, for it. But to do more than just to yeah. build around that song like that was awesome. I watched yeah. it again this morning and I was like, yeah, even the coaches, the high school coaches, I didn't know mm-hmm. who they were. And I'm like, that's awesome. I love that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I never saw that coming. I remember. It was great. Yeah. Um, CJ, so that that this might seem like a stretch, but. I wanted to ask you about this because that is not that far off of what I wonder about sometimes, which is what a coach will say to a team at halftime. And I know I mentioned this, but when I was covering this past season, your team and Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt and we didn't know if if the coach of Shanahan was going to make a change at halftime. And then he said going into the tunnel that, yep, I'm going to change CJ's going in. Mm -hmm. What is that like for you as a obviously that's your job and as a backup? What's that like when you get that call? Uh, I mean, it's uh, it's really a kind of a whirlwind of emotions because you're kind of you're sitting there. Um, I remember you know the first half of that game, Jimmy was talking about his ankle was bothering him or whatever, and you're kind of sitting there like you know looking like, dude, so are you are you gonna are you good? Are you gonna keep playing or like? Because like if you're not, can you give me a heads up like so I at least have a can warm That's what up I or something? And, and I mean, there's been times where where whether it be Nick or Jimmy, hey man, just hey be ready i'm like be ready what does that what does that mean like can you are you gonna be able to go back in or not because you like to warm ups you know i mean i like to stay stretched on there but you know or just get you know your mind mentally prepared. but then again sometimes i've been thrown in like the eagles a week before it was like late in the game i was like yeah there's no way i'm gonna be going in at this point and then uh, hey you're up i'm like oh really okay so then i just jumped in there it's almost better that way you don't have time to react and think um so like that game, the Dolphins game, it was halftime. So I did 
at least we, you know, at halftime we come out with like the next 10 plays we're going to come out mm-hmm. with the sec- second half, which is nice. You can kind of mentally go through those 10 plays in your head rather than just um, getting thrown out there. But, uh, I mean, it, it's good. That's, you know, as a backup quarterback, that's one of the things you got to always stay ready and stay prepared no matter what because you truly never know. I mean, it's crazy how many times it's, I got thrown in when times when you don't expect it or you think it's or games where you feel like, man, I got a feeling that I might be playing this game for whatever reason you don't play. And it's like, well, whatever. And then it's just crazy. You just got to stay ready, really. What has it been like for you, Casey and Tucker, to watch CJ? At first, it was like the most nerve wracking thing for me. I mean, even ever since your first high school start, like, you know, just because. I want to see my brother be the brother that I know he is, you know, and like then and or like play the way I know he's capable of. I personally would would take him over dang near anybody in the NFL. You know, there's a lot of guys who can play the position and do good, but but there's guys that have that extra gear and that extra drive, that extra like star power thing, and and that's definitely what he has. And and that confidence, I think, is like the main thing. And I just get so excited now to watch just it. There's nothing like watching a, a football game with your brother starting, you know? Yeah. It was fun watching his uh, <laughs> junior and se- senior. I was say it's funny because my dad, my dad will call me. No, I mean, after, after, I mean, when you start, when it was fun, like a- after his junior year of college, when you know, when he's, when he got, he got given the job and uh, there's a long leash on, you know. Yeah. That's exciting. So I mean, it's still nerve wracking, but I mean, nerve- there's no way you enjoy what like uh, this. Yeah, right, this dude's a wreck out there. I, get from <laughs> I don't. Know, but, but now, but the, what happened when he when college was over? From there on, again, it starts becoming everything's an audition again. It, yeah, it, every game is an audition. Every practice, you know. So it's like yeah, but if you look at it that way, that's you're already setting yourself up. Like that's why I don't look at it like that. That's why I hate that you look at it like an audition. You can't because enjoy it. You know, for yeah. me, I mean, I'm just sitting there going, "That's." Because I'm yeah. no, I mean, as a as a as a proud dad, I know who he is and what he's. I got to listen to it with the volume down. I got to turn off the volume because I don't want to hear what they say. I don't want to hear. You know, I'm like, you don't understand. You know, it's not. It's hard for whatever. For me, uh, he's probably not gonna like. I I hope. I hope the 49. I hope every team is listening right now. That that when you get thrown in as a rookie. Uh, in the situation he got thrown into, yeah. it's hard. And, yeah. and I just, I hated the the judgments he got put on him and the things that as a brand new team with a brand new coach and 30-something new guys and he got thrown in a, a game and everybody started going, well, that, he didn't win. Or, well, he did the other guy. He did Peyton Manning for 16 games. You know, well, you know, so you sit there, you take everything personally. For me, I was taking it personally. And, and it drove me crazy, so I couldn't really enjoy watching in the pros. That's why I got to the point to where it's like, man, like, you know, just got to find peace because, like, you can't control it. So you might as well look at it through the perspective of, like, man, what a blessing. You get to sit, we get to sit here and watch someone who I love be able to do what yeah. we dreamed of in, as kids in the backyard of, of doing. Like, he's, he gets to play. It's like, even if he does suck, like he, or if, suck. if he if he has like a bad, <laughs> I appreciate. No, I'm saying no, like even if he bad, does yeah, like yeah. It's like Clarifying, sucks that game, right. you know, it's like yeah, it's gonna be hard. But like either <laughs> right. way, it's like you can't control that. Like man, soak in the moment of like you get to watch your brother like play football. I think that's why I've gotten over the last year more. You know, we're years past. I, I kind of um, 
maybe kind of like my dad used to be a little bit more like my dad like man but when you think about it a lot of people that saying that stuff have no idea what they're talking about first off and then you know what's happened you know within our family last year with with clay going to heaven it's one of those things that many truly puts your perspective on things changes your Mm -hmm. perspective and to really just enjoy each moment enjoy every opportunity you know i feel like sometimes in the past i would be better going out to practice man, man, mm-hmm. i'm not starting i should you know yeah. whatever now it's like man, i get to go out and have fun i'm just yeah. this is my deal today i get i got two games to start this year i'm gonna go out and have fun it was awesome our podcast is presented by AutoZone, america's number one battery destination get in the zone AutoZone. all right guys i have to talk about this just a few weeks ago i got a vip tour of AutoZone. Stop laughing. I'm a big fan of AutoZone. Cars, all of it. My father-in-law and I actually share a mutual love of the store. So to get to go behind the curtain and see how things work, it was big. One thing I noticed, everyone at AutoZone is treated like a VIP. AutoZoners, yes, that's what they call them. They really go the extra mile to help you out. Almost anytime your car has an issue, AutoZone has free services to help identify a likely solution, parts, tools to help you get the job done right. One of my favorite services is something they call Fix Finder. So let's say your check engine light comes on while you're driving home from work or picking up your kids. Not ideal, obviously. Well, you don't have to panic. You just go to AutoZone and they're going to get a reading with FixFinder for free to give you a report with recommended solutions. AutoZone can help you. They can test your battery, alternator, starter for free to help you identify the right issue. If you have a car problem, head to AutoZone. They'll go the extra mile to help you out. I saw it myself. Get in the zone, AutoZone. For listeners that don't know, I know a lot of them do, um, Clayton, your son, your brother, you know, was was killed a year ago this past December, fatally stabbed in an incident outside of a bar. And I know this is hard, but I was wondering if you guys would share with me how that event unfolded for you, you know, mm-hmm. and how how you guys came to yeah. find out and what that was like. Well, just just to sum it up real quick, um, uh, Clay had come home. Uh, for Christmas on the 19th, late, late that night, got him, Susan went and picked him up and he came home and, you know, Clay's just a great spirit, great guy, great, just a driven. I mean, such a good, like he, he's like one of those dudes that no one doesn't like, no one doesn't like being around. He's one of those, like yeah. brings out the best like in everybody. Like high spirit, high energy. Well, you couldn't meet him without going, man, you, t- and you talk about a competitor, good Lord. Mm-hmm. So he, uh, yeah, he's those guys were you know, extra high competitor, just a phenomenal guy, very passionate too. But the thing about him was his passion for the right thing. Held himself to that standard too. Yeah. And he held himself to that, but he came home that night and was, his his world was our youngest daughter. Tatum's only 10. That's, that's what he looked forward to spending this Christmas was hanging around his little sister, mostly and his brothers and all that stuff. But the very next night, the 20th night, uh, he reluctantly took everybody had gotten back in town. So they were all like high school. Mm-hmm. Everybody's back for break. Let's get together at a friend's house. They wanted to go hang out. He's not anymore. He's not a big drinker or any of that. And just talking about uh, coming home that night. And then, but more of the high school and local area guys were meeting downtown. They got an Uber, went downtown. Wrong place, wrong time. There were some bad guys in there. and I, And I can't. We can't tell this story without leaving out one of his good buddies, Paul Trapini, who is uh, with him. Paul and Clay were waiting um, 
you know, for 30 seconds out of an Uber ride coming home. And when these bad guys, uh, you know, they came out and beat a, they were beating up a Clay's, one of Clay's best friends over here. And that's Clay's. I, he can't, he has a tough time with letting that pass. He went over and he got, saw the mob and got walked into the middle of the mob. And, and that's it. He and Paul walked in the middle and before they can get, I mean, next thing you know, he'd been, he'd been stabbed. And, uh, it was a, uh, just one of those things you get a phone call. We've had a thousand, thousand of them. Hey, I'm not with just another phone call in the middle of the night that we thought, Hey, I'm just going to stay here tonight at my friend's house. But it was, it was from CJ and I get wake. Susan always takes those late night calls and, and I can hear his voice. I was like, CJ, it's the night before game. He's at a hotel. Because we played on Saturday. It was, it yeah, was Saturday but these, apparently the kids, his buddies didn't know our number, so they called him in a hotel in the middle of the night at uh, out there in Santa Clara. and, and uh, Yeah, woke me up, and I was like, what the heck? I actually didn't didn't answer it at first because I didn't have the number saved. And then I heard the ding as a text. I'm like, okay, what's, what's the text? And it said, yo, it said, call me. Something bad just happened. So I was like, what the heck is this? So I called back. And they uh, told me what happened. Is it a friend of? It was a friend of Clay. Actually, a friend of Tucker's. It was Ari, Mm -hmm. who was a friend. Kind of, they're all, we're all friends. All of our friends are kind of the same group. So it was a friend of Clay's and Tucker's, really. But I said that, yeah, he told me what happened. So I called my parents, told them what happened. And we didn't know what it was. Hey, you got to go down to Vanderbilt Hospital. Clay got stabbed, and I, what do you mean? And we, it seemed like, well, it's just kind of in the side. And so we thought, well, why do we have to go down there if it's not, you know, it's probably just stitches or whatever. But yeah. and we got, got called him up and got everybody together, and we all went down. And um, yeah, and uh, when you get to their uh, emergency room at that time, and there's that many police and some detectives and stuff, it just didn't feel right and um yeah it was uh i don't know man that was just one of those things that is you know the it's uh that's the worst scenario all of us would agree that we would all want to take do that prior before anybody else you know i I would rather go to heaven than brother than him or whatever or whatever but now we look back on it and um it was just a it was an awful awful night an awful scenario and and one of those things that you just don't even know how you're going to get through. And then literally that whole next day, the man, the love started coming. I, I It was crazy. People showed up at our house that we didn't know how these things work. And the outpouring of love and just God that came into that house that changed our perspective and brought us together like we'd never been brought together, you know. And, and, and you know, we grew up. They grew up in the church, and but you're still kind of walking around going, yeah, I don't know, I'm trying to work on a relationship with the Lord and trying to do right the right stuff and right things. But once you really dive in and find out what happens after this world and you start realizing that, man, uh, he's in a good place and we know it. I mean, we didn't just grow up in the church. We Christian Clay was a Christian. He, he walked it, spoke it, talked about it. It wasn't yeah, just Yeah, yeah, I know that, but what I'm saying is that but you never you never realize, you never really dig in and realize every it got so much deeper in the hope. 
in the hope of the of you know of not just this world and so that just changes everything and at that point we're to lean into each other and we just we just were inseparable i i selfishly always at that time i was like man i think the lord god did this covid stuff for us because it shut down the world where nobody could go anywhere he couldn't go on the road yeah he came home and have otas it was it was a blessing in disguise you couldn't have otas or any of that stuff he didn't need to be rushed back right out to california anyways hey we were all kind of disoriented and we just kind of hunkered down and for like three months, we had church at the house just talking about the good stuff mm. and, the, and the gift we were given in clay and all this stuff. that, And it just changed all our perspective and put life in perspective. And, and we don't know when we're leaving. Mm-hmm. And so we've uh, a lot of things become more, like he was talking about, football became a secondary thing. It brought us so much closer just to the truth of what, what the, the Bible says and about what really matters in this world. And 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 living with the, the eternal perspective you know and it's not about man i need to get the big contract i need to i need to go out there and play it's like man go out and work hard do you know do what you do work your your tail off but you know god's in control of it all and just what it did for us as a family brought us so much closer together and just brought us so much closer to the lord and i couldn't wait to get back home just you know, I hadn't seen them since um, July, July 20th or whatever is when I last saw them. And oh, then, wow. That's yeah, so I hadn't seen them all season. And then getting back and getting back into the groove of Hanging getting out, together. Talking and, about real stuff. Yeah, it was just something that I needed, um, especially the way, you know, the NFL was with everything. You can't do, can't do stuff. So The protocols and all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tucker, you, I know you've talked about how you tend to be one that, just internalizes everything, right? What was the hardest part of this for you? Yeah, um, growing up, like I, I would always pray, like Lord, please let me be the first one to go in my family, just because like I did not I knew, like I didn't have like what it took to deal with for somebody I love so close to me and and to to die before me. You know, that's a profound thing for a young a young person to be thinking about. You know? I mean that that. I can honestly say that has always been my biggest fear, you know, like I'm terrified of, was terrified of that. And then like out of the blue, it happens and it's like, oh man. And, and I found out pretty quick when you get broken to where your faith is getting tested and, and, and how, how is this going to be possible to get through? But I knew who to go to, you know, like the Lord and just dope. That was the only thing. Well, I saw you said it was indescribable peace, right? And when you Mm -hmm. said that, I was like, what does that mean? Are there, is it, are there examples of, of where that, where you felt that and how, does that make sense? Yeah, it's, I guess peace that surpasses all understanding. Like there's couldn't be anything more true and that's in the bible you know like you kind of go into it looking at like you say this but what does that mean yeah right and so you so you got to get to a point where you're just going i need that i mean i'm so broken lord i don't even know what that means but you got to show it to me right that's, that's what's it's hard to kind of even like explain a lot because it's like all i did I, I knew who to go to my faith got me to where I, to know who to go to but i was so broken and so hurt and so this or that like I can't explain other than saying Jesus and his word and his truth did everything. Like it, it like, because there was no bit of me that like 
that had any bit of strength or, or power to, to do anything. You like to get through that. You know? yeah, a lot of it too is just riding f- for me. You know, all of a sudden COVID comes in, and then it was all the Black Lives Matter and everything yeah. started going. Social justice issues came up. And honestly, when I looked at it, I started looking at that, the world that we're in, and you, and you compare it to the Bible, and it's nothing new under the sun that you've been going, man, this, this world has been jacked up forever. You know, I realize now that it's just not fair. It's not going to be a fair world. It's not, it's not, I, 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 my heart goes out to the people that have been done wrong and done unjustly and it, and it stinks. And, and that's what the enemy does in this world. I, this is what I happen to believe that, that the only place you're going to find a, any kind of joy or peace is just going that, you know, that this is not all there is that we are here to just live, to try to steer people toward there is a true hope and peace after this. And that's the only way that we could find any forgiveness for for this guy that got put in jail. You know, you start going, when you really start looking at it and going, okay, what are our options? We could sue this guy. We could do this and we could hope that he gets, and we've got, no, the Bible says, no, look it, man. And that's my son too, this kid. Mm-hmm. that's my son, you know? And you're like, yeah, and you didn't want that for him. I didn't want this guy, this guy in jail, he was raised without a dad and without a mom and they got cast off into a grandpa. They got tossed out. He's looking for value, you know, validation and anything. And he gets, and he gets it from the wrong people. And it's not his fault. He doesn't know any better. He doesn't know a, a better hope, a father on earth, let alone in heaven. And I, my heart goes out for that kid. And my only, I don't want him dead. I don't want him to pay us back. I don't want him to, you know, and I know what Clay would say, Dad, you know, he'd come back and go, look, you know, this is going to make waves, good waves through our family, through what God's message is. And I know that guy can be redeemed, too. All of us can. You know, and that's where that's what I found mostly out of this whole thing. I just don't worry as much and not too worried about my especially on my kids anymore about what happens on this on this earth and who gets more and who doesn't get more and who gets whatever I think our job is to go out and try to try to love people try to love people and show them why 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 are you so hopeful why are you just because this is not all it is we're going somewhere after this what was uh your experience being a father going through that mm. and being there for these i mean it's the the uh, the worst case scenario you could ever want uh, being a parent you know that mm-hmm. i mean you would it's a nightmare come true i mean i can't even I can't even explain it. And I, and what breaks my heart even more was watching my kids go through it, you know, and I have to, and do this because, you know, as close as they are and that, but, I, but I will tell you this. I remember a couple of years before that sitting at the table going, cause all my, all my focus was on my kids and my family worrying about him. Is he going to get this? Is he going to start? Is he going to make it? Is he going to this? I got to, you know, um, and then my, my, my wife, not long before that was like, Casey, I think you've got to, you've been a good father, you've been a good dad, but I think you got to let them go. They're consuming you. You got to let them go and let the Lord have them because he's going to work when they're going, whatever's going to happen in life's going to happen. And I was like, that's a bumper sticker. Let go, let God, you know, how do, what, how do I do that? I don't even know how to do that. And then when it, when the unfathomable happened, I was like, okay, now I got one. I don't even have to think about, worry about anymore. He's as safe as you could possibly be. You know, that's, it's changed my perspective on anything. 
that's how I deal with it now is knowing that, that I got a, I got a son that, that, that is okay. You know, it's fine Mm -hmm. in the best hands he could possibly be in. And I'm going to see him again someday. And now we need to try to navigate this world and, and, um, in the best way we know how. CJ, you, you were away when this Mm -hmm. happened, right? You were with the team. So how, how did that impact you? And also what, what is it that that Clay's life in general, what kind of impact has that left on you? I mean, it was, it was, I mean, it was just the worst possible thing that, you know, obviously the worst circumstance. It was like, I found the news, my dad called. And I mean, that, that phone call still haunts me to this day. So it's like one of those things, but um, then just having to do that and then go straight to the airport and go on a plane for five hours and get here. It's like, I just like, it was just kind of all a blur. I just was crying most of the time but i just couldn't wait to get home and just just hug my family and be there with them and i mean clay's left such a big impact on all of us i mean clay uh clay was <clears throat> kind of a mixture between me and tuck both but i mean overall he's just such a such an awesome awesome dude just just as, as good as they come just stood for the right reasons uh, respected every respected woman it was just you know and i mean he was when he, he believed so. He was your biggest, each of your biggest fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was the he 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 still has texts on his phone, and they both do, you know. Really? But my wife does too. That you would think this is coming from a pastor or a, uh, a dad or really when he's texting him before. Mm-hmm. Hey, dude, you need to do you know before, like before a game. Yeah, it was like uh, stuff that I. I mean, I, I read the text before every game this year just because it was a text he sent me before my first start two years ago against the Chargers. So it's really long text, just um, basically just talking about how how much he believed in me and just thought I was. I mean. The, you know, he's a little biased, but he, you know, he kind of basically what Tucker was saying, man, he's like, I think you're the best quarterback. And, you know, and, but he would come up with this stuff. He would put scripture in there and, and talk about what the, what the truth is. He's like, man, and at the end of the day, people are going to say bad stuff about you. They're going to say good stuff about you. Don't listen to any of it, whether it's good or bad, put it up in a ball and just forget about it because all that matters is, 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 is your path and, and what Jesus says about you and, and don't listen to the outside noise. And I'm like, that's my younger brother telling me this stuff. And, and it just, mm-hmm. is, and his, the, his perspective on that text, you were with the, uh, like, cause he was, at, he was playing at a smaller college quarterback. Like he was, he was fighting, you know, trying to, they, they were a scrappy, scrappy team. You know, he was, uh, tough leader of that team and but before that he was at a junior college and Mm -hmm. they had you know a bigger name guy who would start at quarterback and and he was but like his perspective on like man i was all you know bitter and and, you know this or that but man i've learned to you know try to look at it from more of a godly perspective now man like even when the kids helmet comes off man i know that's god that's god and like I, i'm so grateful for it man so like i get to make the most of that opportunity you know like that wow. perspective of like that's so encouraging oh, like god. don't look at you not starting look at like <laughs> wow yes thank you i get to go in because this dude's helmet came yeah. off because <laughs> then you get to make the most of that right opportunity and and i was going through kind of a funk after you know that year um i started five games and then nick came in and I was going through a funk when i when i wasn't starting anymore and just Clay was someone that I would go to about everything because Clay was so real with me and he wasn't the most non-judgmental person either. And, and, and he was like, you know, him and Tucker, my best friend. So, um, 
we talked, you know, talked about everything. And, and Clay played the sport too, so he knew like the stuff about mm-hmm. the sport, and he knew, you know, he watched the games and knew stuff. But I remember one of the texts he said, "Man, at the end of the day, just just think about this way. Uh, you're not playing right now for a reason, and whatever that reason is, so go out each day, whether it be practice your day, enjoy it, live it to the fullest, go out and, with a purpose." Because you're going to be back in there at some point. And when you are, you train yourself to flip that switch when you're in there. And he said, in the meantime, you got a beautiful daughter to go home to and just enjoy that, 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 uh, the feeling she gives you when you walk through the door. And I was like, golly. And it was actually, Damn. It, I mean, it was like real stuff. <laughs> right? Like this dude was so beyond his, wow. his age and, and like the way he thought about stuff. That's why it's not surprising the way he went out. Oh, I couldn't imagine a different way. You know? He wanted to be a Navy SEAL. He wanted, okay. the, he wanted all these things. That's what the, he was a warrior in every sense of the word, uh, on the field, and then, you know, and and get, has everybody's back. If you're gonna mess with my family or mess, you know, he's gonna jump in. He stand up for what's right, no matter what the cost. No matter what. And you're like Clay. All right, okay, okay, stop. You know, you know, mm-hmm. it's okay. Let it go. And you're like, Dad, you don't understand. You know, <laughs> like that. I do. I was I do was, the right he, thing, right? Yeah, That's yeah. Right. But he, you know, so it's not surprising. And that's what gives us peace all the time. There's so many great, he was such a great gift and a lot of things. But, you know, we crash into that memory and have hard, probably, time every day. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, uh, you know, we can get through it knowing, just thinking of the, what the, the short time and the great gift he was for a little while. When you talk about them growing up, a song that, I wrote called Homeboy that yes, that Eric Church that did song. and what we wrote together that was inspired by this relationship that relationship really totally I, I'll admit if it if it wasn't if it wasn't for CJ I would have been kicked out of high school you know as a songwriter you're walking around you're thinking of ideas and I remember um, that 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 title got in my head and it just like a worm and I just thought on it for a long time and then I just uh, we should come home, boy. Home, boy. How would you work this thing? But, it, and then I realized that these guys, all the time that they spent together, and then CJ got to a point where he was so worried and stressed out for Tucker that he literally come down in the kitchen on weekend nights and be like, "Hey, uh, Dad, Mom, don't don't let Tuck." go where he says he's going because he's not i mean that's that may sound like such a snitch but i used to always wonder like whatever i like say like hey can i go over something they're like mm, you sure you're doing that i'm like who is telling you that like yeah. where are you getting your information oh, no from way. for what it's worth and never i told would me always it was say you. like i mean hey yeah. don't let tucker go here it's like why i'd be like that's all i'm saying i just if i was you Good i would not you. let him go i wouldn't say- so we ground him before he knew he go, hey, all right i'll see you later i'm going over to edens and we're like no nah, you're grounded no, no, you're not. What's what's going on? You know, or something. You know, and it, you know, he wasn't ever. We exaggerated in that song, obviously, mm-hmm. about a guy that really ended up in big trouble. But Tucker never got in that kind of trouble. But you know, he was he was pushing the limits. Thank God. I mean, at the time that uh, I saw him, when I was out there working in the yard one day when they came home from football practice, and I saw them. You know, as close as my kids are, all of them, not just these two, but all of them, are so close that. I don't think anything would wreck any train of thought like one of them being in trouble, you know. So mm-hmm. I think I watched him walking in the house one day after practice, cutting up 
laugh and smile and I thought, that's it. I mean, there's nothing that either one of them can get into that the other wouldn't go find them and get them back home, you know. So that's where the song got inspired. I think that nothing would make them more lose peace than knowing that anyone, anybody in the family were, were in some kind of trouble or sick or something, whatever, you know. Like, we got you. Yeah, mm-hmm. yes. Right? That's what's so rewarding as parents is looking back at my kids' relationships and, you know, mm-hmm. what they become. And, and, and mostly more, nothing matters more than family uh, to them, it seems like, so. So, anyways, Tucker, did you know that that song was about that, or at what point did you guys? I didn't. Uh, I actually had like some of my friends, you know, like when when it came out and stuff. Some of my friends were like, like, oh, I bet your dad wrote Homeboy about you. I'm like, no, he didn't. Like, I was like, no, he didn't. And I remember like coming home and be like, Dad, you you didn't write Homeboy about about like me, did you? And he's like. <laughs> Yeah, I did. You know, and I'm like, what? And uh, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, obviously, it's far fetched. Like, yeah, like a little artistic license there, a little liberty yeah. there. To, you know, when did you know that this is what you wanted to do? That songwriting, like your dad being an artist, your father Casey, a prolific songwriter, and you obviously songwriter hit hit artist as well. I think I always knew. I think like it's something that you're like you're born with, and you can't like shut it off. Like, I mean, ever since I was like two, you know gravitated towards the drums and like you know so like it was obviously something that like a like a god-given desire and like passion and um see i always had a i came here to try to be an artist so in this big room of this house we rented with roommates i was always rehearsing in the back room so there was stuff set up all the time so now he can go in there and get on the drum do stuff when they're kids so it was they were introduced to it they couldn't get away from it if they tried Mm -hmm. but anyways he was probably three when you go, man, he's actually, he knows how to play the drums. It's crazy. He had something. Yeah, I think I was just like born with like that passion and stuff. And me, CJ and Clay, we had our band and, you know, we'd rehearse my room. And and then. Uh, and that was in high school, right? No, it was in uh, middle was, school. It was middle school. school. Yeah, it kind of started fading off in high school. Um, or when he went to high school, it, it kind of, you know, they their hearts were obviously more set on like football and like sports and, and like, like for me, I, I thought like we were taking it serious. Like the band thing, you know, mm-hmm. I was like, man, you know, they were, they were really good. They had little gigs of even at school or at the, at the community center or center. And they did, uh, as a group of three, they wrote their own songs at a group. I mean, we got, it's re- really good stuff. And then, uh, he went to high school, got serious, you know, football, it's pretty demanding in mm-hmm. high school. So then he was like, what are you going to quit the band? You got to make a decision. You know? like, you know. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of bummed because I, I liked it a lot, but, um, and then I was in trouble again one night. I'll never forget like freshman or sophomore year of high school. And I wasn't trusted to like st- stay at the house. He was really mad. Yeah. And I had to go play some gig somewhere and, Susan was somewhere else with the girls and whatever, and I was by myself, and I had to go play a gig, and we got into something, and he was grounded, and he was so mad that I I literally didn't trust him. I thought he might burn the house down. That's where I was. And I go, and I remember the door was closed, and I was like, well, I opened the door, and he got scared to death. He thought I was I said, come on, let's go. And he was like, what, what, what? And I was like, you're going with me. And he thought I was going to drop him off at the 
the juvenile center. Said that they, I think that or was military taking school. Them. Yeah, somewhere like a He thought I was taking him somewhere. I was like, he's like, what? Where are you going? I said, all right, I won't. I went, and I was like, no, you're going with me. And then it turns out I was just, you're going to sit in the back of this room tonight, and while I do this gig. And he was like, all right, you know. And he sat back there for the most of the night. We got to a part where there was just a lull in the thing, and I remember him playing one or two of the. I'd heard through the wire. I remember part of a song that he had written and stuff. I was like, hey, by the way. Uh, you knew I was writing my own songs and you could hear like me playing my own songs. So it's like. So yeah. I knew I was like, man, that's good. But I, you know, I didn't really give him that. I didn't tell him that yet. You better mm-hmm. bet while he was in the back of a room. I didn't I didn't even know if he would do it. But because uh, he'd always, for the most part, he'd been a, a drummer in a band on stage. And yep. And I loved that because you're kind of just in the background, like, yeah. you know, just, I was so confident about it, but also it was like, man, I just get to be back here and just like rock out, like, you know, like not in the front, you know, like with singing or anything like that. And then, so I didn't even know I had, how, how he would respond. And I said, Hey, Tuck on the mic, I brought my son with me tonight. You, you want to come up and play any of your songs or songs you're writing? And they, of course the, crowd was like yeah yeah this will be this will be cute maybe cute or something you know i thought yeah you know it'll be all right and i didn't know how he'd do it and he was like sure and i was like wow he's got honestly it was probably because it was it was a it was a pretty like angsty song that like was kind of built up about like you know being judged and like misunderstood and stuff so like I was like, yeah, I'll play this song. Yeah, like, <laughs> but it was pretty intricate. I mean, his playing is crazy. So it was yeah. his song that you were playing? It was playing. his song. We left the stage, and he got up there and just started playing, and he played a couple songs, and it was like, whoa. And that was the first time I ever did anything on stage outside of dr- just drums. Def- so it was the first time I ever, like, sang and played guitar on stage for people. And, like, it was one of those things where, like, from from that moment right there, like, he was I'll never forget it. It was like, yeah, this – that felt right like being able to share your words and and like your songs that meant came from such a, a personal place and 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 express them and, and like speak your voice to like other people like that there was just something that like it just hooked me and and i just haven't the feedback was awesome and when you get that feedback it's you know crazy but he had <clears throat> at the same time he was a really really good baseball player well they all were all the kids were but he mm-hmm. was especially good that was a gift so that was a battle. Like I knew like music was what I wanted to do. I just didn't know like how I was going to get out of it. Like, cause it's like, well, dang, I mean, like now I'm going to have to go to college and play baseball because I got like scholarships and stuff and so I can't turn them down. And it's like, I really just want to do music. And, um, and yes, yeah, so I was going to MTSU to play and, and the night before I was going to start and I'm just calling the coach and telling him, man i hate to do this but like man i'm not i'm not coming no more and and then just i mean that was a family decision we we got to a point because we had seen him play after that yeah uh he he messed up his shoulder so he was he was going to be out that freshman year anyways and he was concentrating a lot on playing and he was doing gigs and we went and saw him one night and we went okay we he tore down i mean he brought down the house just playing and doing a whole set himself and it just blew me away, and the crowd reacting. I was like, "Whoa, he's gifted. He's got it." He started getting record deal offers at that point before he went to college, and I was like, "And then that night, we just saw him, and something moved, and we were just like, 
tuck. I'm not going to make you do what you, you know, what you don't want to do. It's kind of, I would think it's kind of like a hook in music. Like you're identifying what it is, the hook, the passion within yourself that you really want to follow. That's what you're saying kind of, Mm -hmm. right? With you, Definitely. I think it was obvious that football, that was his hook. That's what he loved and, and his heart was and, and uh, music was for me, but we still like, cause we were all so close, like enjoyed, I, I enjoyed playing football just as much as he enjoyed playing music with me, but uh, just kind of knew that there's different, like ultimate, like directions we wanted to go, so. Best advice your dad has ever given you? Yeah, I would say the best thing I learned Best advice, it wasn't really advice from my dad, but uh, the best thing I ever learned from him was just how he humbly stayed. He never left us. I don't care if he was leaving for a little while, going to work, or going going to be gone for a few days. Every single day of my life, he told me he loved me. Wow. And hugged us and kissed us no matter what and said he loved me. And that made me never to be ashamed to tell anybody I love him. And that was the best. That's the best thing I ever took from my dad. That's so powerful. What about, is there something that you've learned from these two, as well as Clay, that you would say oh, is man, the biggest? Oh, man, they just, uh, yeah, man, they're just, they're good kids. I wish, I'm just, I'm just proud of them good they don't have to prove anything to me i just i'm just glad they stand up strong and they're just good they're really 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 good kids in their hearts and i learn i learn from them every day for sure yeah i knew it was bound to happen <laughs> I, i'm surprised it took so long i'm surprised one of us hasn't hasn't broke down yet out of all, everything we've talked about, you know. That's. I just wish I wasn't. I, I kind of wish I wasn't so hard on them as kids, you know. But, but really, I, get yeah. out of here. Why? Because I actually am taking away from this. I'm like, man, yeah. I want to be honestly, get out of here. He, truly. I'm like, I want to be harder on my son. Out hearing you guys talk, not my son, but my son and my daughter. Just, I think, yeah, I think I pushed him. I, I don't know. I, I, just, I think I might have pushed him in sport. I think I wanted to <laughs> win. I think I wanted to win. <laughs> Too much, and that's that's. Just I just said the a, complete opposite of what I just said. That's <laughs> yeah, what I was thinking. What's wrong with you, That was the thing I liked the most because, like, if yeah. you weren't like, think yeah. about how screwed I'd be. That's what a lot of people say, but uh, you know, there's some things I think I was probably uh, I put a lot of pressure on them to be to try to be the best of what they were doing, and I and I don't know if that's I think they and, and they and they, you know I don't know pre- I don't think it was pressure. It's just more so you taught a. a, a just like you were raised from from yeah. a good dad of you know nothing's handed to you you work hard yeah. you you try to be the best at, at, at what you're doing that that's a yeah. in a world where where a lot of the opposite mentality is is being implemented you know of yeah sit back and you know like you should be handed it's like man life ain't fair life ain't easy it's like you know you're only hurting yourself if you have that victim mentality at the end of the day. So you always want us to be the best, but you never like force us to do anything. Like it, you were always like going back from as far as I can remember, you never were like, no, you're going to play football and you're going to do that. It was like, like, not like you knew what I want. You know, like I wanted to play football. I wanted to be that. So you, your love for me, you wanted 
what I wanted. So you, it wasn't like you were like forced us, even in college. I mean, I had scholarships to a bunch of big schools and, and he's like, you sure you, I wouldn't be mad at all if you just said you don't want to play and you hung it up and just wanted to go to school, do something different. Wow. And so it's like stuff like that. It's like, it's not like you ever put pressure on us in that sense. I was probably praying, going, please don't, please, like, please, 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 go please play football. <laughs> please go play football. Yeah. I want to go, go watch you play yeah. football. <laughs> did, did it ever make you nervous? Just because, I mean, you grew up in it, obviously. Like, did it, did the playing part make you nervous? No, I never worried about her. My wife it was did. more, okay, right, right. I was, that, just, I was always, curious about I always that. loved, I mean, I, I just loved it. it was, it's so fun. I mean, I. I mean, maybe to a to a bad point. I I mean, I just love watching them play. I love it. Gives me something to do. Yeah, something yeah. to invest my time and stuff. And probably too much, but so it's gonna at some point when they're done playing and doing, making songs and doing all this stuff. I'm, I'm I don't know what I'm gonna do. Grandkids, but, uh, yeah. yeah, my grandkids. Yeah, that's true. I'll go coach my grandkids. Yeah, I'll go push them. But I, yeah. All right, you guys want to go another hour? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, wow. Casey Tucker and CJ, you guys, thank you so much. This is oh yeah, thank you. You've given thank me a million you. things to think about, mm. and I'm gonna call everyone I know and say I love them. Yeah. you know, like truly, like there's just so much out of this conversation. I feel bad for the people they gotta edit all this. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank thanks a lot for having us. Awesome. Yeah. When I came out of that conversation with the Bethards, the the thing that I was thinking about most was, wow, I am so grateful for their honesty and their openness to go back to that place and really describe what it was like when when they found out about Clayton and what had happened to him. Um, and also just describing how the aftermath has been. You know, for me, I think hearing about the concept of the peace they've found, but also the forgiveness, how powerful was that. And, you know, hearing a lot of people that deal with loss talk about finding this extraordinary piece that helps you through, um, I'm, I'm fascinated by that concept. And I think hearing them talk about that, I, I'm hopeful that that will help people out there. Also, Casey's story. We recorded this conversation in a recording studio and halfway through, I was thinking about, wow, you know, this is the exact setting where he just does what he does best, which is create these songs. I mean, all of which, frankly, for me, really strike a chord with me. I think he's such an amazing songwriter, but hearing how he got his start in the guacamole and just all of it, it seems like such a Hollywood movie. And the other piece of this is they were talking is the connection to music and sports. You know, this is an example of that for me where I'm like, wow, it doesn't get much clearer or defined than this. And and I'm really grateful that I was on the sidelines for that 49ers game where CJ Beathard was was getting a start after halftime because it helped me understand, you know, his situation a little more, which I found was was kind of ironic. Anyway, I, I hope that you took a lot from this conversation. I certainly did. And there's a lot that I will want to impart on my own family, the tightness of family, the bond. This family has really found a way to want to be around each other all the time, which I love, and how the pandemic has helped them still deal with the tragedy that they've experienced with the loss of Clayton. Thank you so much for listening and a huge thank you to the Beathards for being so open. 